0: so the, the first thing here is we're 14 years old are you serious
1: yeah i know here we go happy birthday to us happy birthday to it's not actually to us we we didn't turn 14 but uh but the podcast is this this is the week of uh of uh UCAP's birthday oh man well, you, you, you're
0: what? saying it's a podcast and it's not us i was looking forward to my prom
1: 14 again someone said i saw a uh I I forgot what the context of it all was, but someone asked online recently, if you had a choice of being 10 years older than you are now, but having $80 million, all right, or being eight years old again and knowing everything you know now, all right, which would you choose? And I go no brainer, man. I'd go back to eight years old, especially yeah. knowing what I know now, yeah. because I'd have eighty million dollars by the time I was twenty five. Right, right, you know? right. Right. Um, right. And so, uh, uh, so yeah, I, I, fourteen I, years old again. That'd be well. I don't know.
0: Part I, part of the premise though, you have to parse, and that is, do you want to go back to the time, the the, the date that you were eight years old? Yes. Um, with yes. all the knowledge you've accrued since then. As opposed to start today at eight years old, knowing what you know now but not knowing what's going to happen in the future.
1: Right. Well, yeah, and you know, of course that's the that's that was my first question as well. And, yeah. You know, yeah. and 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 as I pressed this question in my mind, if I press as I pressed this question a little bit too hard, I realized, you know, Jack, this is just a fantasy. You don't get, you know, it doesn't make any difference.
0: Yeah. Don't uh, spend too many CPU cycles
1: on yeah. this. But uh, you know, I don't know. I I you know, if I you go back to eight when I was actually eight, that would be you know then the 80 million dollars be easy because man i'd buy microsoft and apple and done deal you know um (laughs) but uh uh you know if i if i was eight in 2020 still i'd be i'd choose that that's you know i mean it's a, a lot obviously a lot of unknowns there and but uh um, oh, I don't know if I was eight. And well, never mind. Never mind. Yeah. So, anyways, happy <laughs> birthday. Never 14 mind. Years, Fourteen years ago. 14 Holy years moly! Where's the cake and candles? Uh, it's on its way. FedEx. Uh, I oh. was going to send it U.S. mail, but I wanted it to get there before we were fifteen. Yes. Yuck, yuck, yuck! 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 That's yuck, that's, yuck, a, that's yuck, a joke that we shouldn't be even be wandering into. We're, <laughs> uh, we're here all week, folks. We're here all week. Um, uh, I, hope,
2: I hope you remembered to light the candles.
1: Yeah. Uh, you just made me glance at the uh, recording button to make sure I pushed the button. I did. Um, you did. So, uh Fourteen years. Away. I mean, any, any. Th- I mean, you know, we're joking around about being fourteen years old again, but uh, it's like crazy to do this podcast for fourteen years. I, I, uh,
0: I didn't think we were going to make fourteen episodes.
1: I uh, tell me about it. You know, well, I thought we'd go more than fourteen episodes, but I, I know you've said that before, and and I don't blame you for having doing that. But, um, it,
2: I, it's I figured six
1: weeks in yeah. and out. Yeah, we'd well,
2: find out nobody was listening but our mothers and. That'd be yeah. the end
1: of it. My <laughs> mom never listened ever. I don't think. Yeah. I'd be surprised to discover that my mom ever listened to an episode.
0: I of don't podcast. think I ever told my mother that I was doing a podcast.
1: <laughs> oh, see. Okay, that so brings us into a whole another. That's area a of that's life, a very yeah.
0: Freudian thing going on
1: there, maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: the shame! My son's a podcaster. I know, exactly. I know. Exactly. Well, no,
1: I know because back then it would have been my son's a what? Uh, that's what, big, what's you know, a that's, podcast. Yeah, that or was one a, of the big differences between now and 14 years ago. Is uh, is how we had to explain you know it was always like i'm doing this this uh, uncontrolled airspace it's a podcast a podcast is you had to always continue with that well you
0: know at, towards the end i think my mother if i had told her that i was a podcaster that she would have said well your sexual orientation is all your business <laughs> but yeah um uh, <sighs> I I don't know. It's funny though, because I was having a, an online conversation with a uh, with a person earlier in the week, um, and he had in the in the process of the conversation dropped that he had been associated with um, a warbird that made its restoration debut at Oshkosh two thousand six.
1: Uh, okay. Yep.
0: And. I was like, well, let's see. 2000, Oshkosh 2006. I was managing editor at AirVenture today. Mm -hmm. Um, this, this, that, and the other thing. And, oh, wait a second. That's the Oshkosh at which the three of us decided or were cajoled by Jack into doing a a podcast. Yep. That was, that was the,
1: that's the year of the, that's the
0: year of the sushi place. This gelled. And that, and that shortly after, uh, 14 years ago, we, uh, started doing, uh, the podcast. Yep. Yep. And that was interesting.
1: So, anyways, I guess uh, we'll get it right eventually.
0: But uh, Yeah, you know, the, the, the beatings will continue. <laughs> That's
1: right. That's right. Thank you. Congratulations, guys. Congratulations to you all, too. And so to all th- of us, let's keep on. Yeah. I, I, and by the way, I, 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 before I change the subject completely, I want to t- uh, uh, credit or thank you to. So from time to time, I hear from a listener who says, I've been listening since the very beginning, believer. I mean, that's yeah. just amazing to me. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um, thank you to all the listeners who have listened for two episodes or, or uh, uh, you know, 1,009. No, it's not 1,009. It's about, it's about 510 now. Uh, and, uh, you know. Uh, thank you to everybody you guys thanks to the listeners thanks to uh the internet thanks to all this good stuff it's been fun not done yet not done yet
2: and with a little luck we'll see you next year for our
1: 15th 15th uh yeah 15th 15th well, i like that the 50th F- yeah 15th, 15th. Uh, yeah well we'll call the, we'll, we'll get to the 16th and we'll call it the 50th because we're playing with numbers these days and it can it can be you know it's like i control the horizontal i control the vertical we can be call these numbers anything we want well if you choose but, the
0: right base value you know it's easy
1: to do i know yeah can I'm you going. could you roll this back up right please yeah that's, yeah, right. that's right yeah yeah so um <laughs> So what's the deal? They found an unexploded bomb at Lakeland Airport in Florida, that's, the place where Sun and Fun is located. That's what the the
0: news report says. Um, okay, it's not exactly
1: a, an unexploded bomb, but it's live missile, a live
0: missile, a which live, could be better or worse than an unexploded bomb, depending yeah. on you know what they mean by live missile.
1: Now, this story that we saw kind of goes out of its way to say it's serious but not crazy dangerous um and um right so who would it jeb you put this on this yeah tell us what the story
0: is yeah first of all this is from the tampa bay times um on august 17 and uh, there's in addition to, of course, Sun and Fun, there are other businesses and concerns at the Lakeland uh, Linder uh, Airport in, where Sun and Fun occurs each or used to occur each year. Um, so, one of the businesses at that airport is a, a defense contractor, and this defense contractor discovered that it had taken delivery of what is being called a live missile. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Basically, the the quote from the company says, "...in the process of evaluating shipments to Draken International's Lakeland facility, our team discovered an object with questionable markings." There's, a question, there, there's a, an episode title for you, yes. <laughs> indicating it may be explosive. Adhering to the explosive safety rule of exposing the minimum number of people for the minimum amount of time to a potential explosive hazard, we got the hell out of – no, that's not what it says. It says, we made the decision to evacuate the facility, inform our surrounding tenants, and contact the appropriate authorities as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, Apparently, this was a, a, a missile with uh, an unexploded or a, a live warhead. Right. Uh, it's unclear whether it was, you know, solid fuel and ready to ready to be fired. There's all kinds of of other questions that could be uh, asked here. There's a picture of uh, yeah, but
1: I don't understand what that picture is. Go ahead to describe well, it for there's me. There's
0: a picture of um, some. Um, Men wearing uh, Army fatigues, Air Force fatigues, something like that, wrestling with this thing. It's about uh, the size of a small car or, or maybe a medium-sized car, about that length. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it'd be about a meter in diameter. It's it's on a cradle with with castring wheels and all this, and they're trying to manhandle it on the back of this uh, this flatbed truck. Um, very interesting so there's all kinds of things going on uh, uh at lakeland airport when it's not sun and fun time
1: now a couple of questions here first of all this uh Dra- what's the it's draken Dra- d-r-a-k-e D R A K E N international um and uh, where on the airport grounds is this located relative to the you know the the, the article
0: the runs? second graph of the article says that they evacuated the whole southeast side
2: of the airport it's okay. over by chopper town yeah Okay, yeah. over there. All right, yeah. Okay, um, and Jack and International is an aggressor squadron operation,
1: right? For training air-to-air pilots uh, in combat. I see. So it's a what a non-governmental training operation for. Yeah, it's a private
0: private contractor. Yeah. I I haven't Googled them, but there's a an old I do not say old, but it's a uh, not a current generation Saab manufactured um, fighter called the Draken. And many of them have found their ways into private hands. I see, I see. And I suspect uh, that it's named after that type of airplane. Right, okay.
1: Um, And it's, so, I don't know, so many questions here. Uh, One would think if they were, if anybody at Draken was expecting a live munition to arrive. Keep going. You know, they they have been watching for it. You know, this order I order a, a you know a, you know a box of breakfast cereal from Amazon. I put it on my calendar and I got reminders. And you know, I mean, I know it's coming, right? Uh,
2: Caution: These Rice Krispies may explode at any
1: time. Snap, crackle, pop, man. Uh, but the, so how? So, so I, it kind of begs the question: whether or not did they get sent this? Was this just sort of a special gift from some friend? Of Dragan, I or? suspect
0: that they bought some surplus hardware okay, from a vendor, from maybe a, um, directly from um, a foreign military.
2: And this was
0: in the shipment.
2: Yeah, okay, I guess. Um, um, the story's a little confusing at times. Yeah, uh, how's that? Well, let's see. Uh, The the airport is... Oh, uh, where's that caption? Where's that caption? Oh, live but unarmed missile found at Lakeland Linder International Airport on August 14th. Right.
1: I think unarmed is an odd choice of words. They later in that... Like the next sentence or the next graph they compared unarmed to a firearm with the safety on which if true seems reasonable to me um but uh, here's here's another question now
0: what the hell kind of missile is this
1: yeah well, that's the other thing. Is I, 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 it's kind of interesting that the photos. I'm, i I've zoomed in on the photos on this story, that they are just so openly displaying all of the, you know, identification all, the, the all the stenciling on it. Yeah, 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 and it's like assuming I don't know. It's just a weird story. I, I guess we'll. Uh, I, I don't. Know, maybe we won't learn more, but it would be interesting to learn more. So, uh, all right. Well, there you go. Um, excitement. So if, at yeah, sun- well, it would. It it it, it almost reads like
2: the missile is fueled so it's live in that way but there's no warhead yeah or if there is a warhead it's an inert warhead like they would use in a practice missile yeah uh, uh, either I, way it it's big risk is in the propellant igniting and if
1: only yeah right I mean if that's all there was it's still pretty dangerous I thought I read someplace in this story that it that it implied that the warhead was in place but I may have missed I may not have seen that yeah. anyways um, all right, well, it sounds like, I mean, according, if this story is to be believed, um, it's a weird situation, but it seems like everybody sort of did the right thing. I mean, on our side, whoever sent this may have not done the right thing, but uh, um, there we go. Well, you know,
0: whoever sent this is, uh, someone probably got fired. You sent them a live missile, you're supposed to send them a dummy missile, you know. <laughs> Maybe. But, and, and I just note for the record that, you know, talking about the stenciling on the, the missile um I don't know. Container, um, helpfully, at the bottom center of the of the container is stenciled on the on it the words "Do not drop."
1: <laughs> well, there you go. That's See, I'm so, glad they put that there because yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. So all right. Anyways, what else? Um, so speaking of goofball uh, actions, uh, here we go. <laughs> uh, you know, are we uh, talking about us again? Yeah. Well, you know what. There, but for the grace of i don 't know, you know who among us has not wanted to do this you know fly under a bridge fly under a big bridge all right and i don 't know if you guys have ever seen the Mackinac bridge in person all right um, it 's a big freaking bridge all right it, you could feel very comfortable trying to it would not be smart under no circumstances. it was this a good idea all right and i don 't think I would ever do it, but I would look at this bridge and go. Hmm. Okay. You know, that would be fun. All right. Well, apparently the other day, and i more than apparently there's video, um, the other day, a small aircraft, one of our kinds of airplanes, um, flew underneath the Mackinac bridge up there in the upper or the beginning of the upper peninsula of, uh, of, uh, Michigan. And, uh, and it's caused a, a thing. I mean, it's like the detectives are after him, which I think is kind of- Well, a and there
0: was a lot headline. of traffic on the bridge at the time.
1: Yeah, you know, and that's kind of, I, I mean, that's serious too. If it had gone badly wrong, that would have been a bad situation. Yeah, um, yeah. But if
0: you're going to do it, you know, maybe not have so many witnesses.
1: Well, you know what? Clearly, there wasn't a lot of common good sense involved yeah, in this whole yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, small airplane. Uh, um, the video I saw, which was very far away, made it look Cherokee-like, I thought. You know, that kind of a low This looked
0: like a high-wing
1: tail dragger. You thought like it was high wing? Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it's pretty distant in the video I, I looked at. And they, they've sent out the word asking for anybody else who shot video of it. And I can't imagine there isn't some more video floating around or, or photos, you know, still pictures of it floating around. and. Uh, you know, this pilot's <laughs> this pilot's sitting someplace going, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. They're going to find me. They're going to find me. Um, what law did he break? Through? So, I'm not convinced that I, – I uh, clearly, there would be pilot certificate, you know, well, issues the, here. Well, the primary FAR
0: is um, 9113, Careless and Reckless.
1: Well, but Careless and Reckless is kind of the catch-all if you haven't got a good FAR. Well,
0: and, show me the FAR that says you can't fly under a
1: bridge. 2000 feet from a structure right i mean he was
0: well he was definitely within a thousand feet of people and and congestion yeah
1: oh yeah but even
0: then uh he's still um within 500 feet also
2: right you know um so so it doesn't have to be a congested area right this this, this is a bad idea on so many levels oh yeah so many variations on it uh There's a uh, high-tension line that runs from uh, Louisville, Kentucky, over into Jeffersonville, Indiana, about five or six miles upriver from the waterfront of Mm -hmm. downtown Louisville. Mm -hmm. And when the river pool is at a normal stage, that is, it's not flooded, uh, there's a pretty good gap there, and there have been pilots who have... On occasion, succumbed to the temptation to fly under the wires. Well, a young man was bringing it. Well, a man, a pilot was ferrying his airplane from Jeffersonville, Indiana, Clark County Regional Airport, back to Bowman Field in a little Lima Oscar uniform uh, after an annual or some maintenance work, and he had friends at this restaurant that's right at the. In- at the end of the uh, high tension lines on the Kentucky side a place called Kingfish. It sits right on the water and pretty decent restaurant a uh, great view they got boat docks and all this jazz and uh, he told friends that he would meet them at the Kingfish after he dropped the airplane off at bowman and if they got there early they should keep an eye out for eye out for him because he's going to do something different
1: well, that's 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 clever thing number 2. <laughs> and, or, the,
2: and the and the river was out of its flood stage. It was high. It uh, okay. was quite high. So, did this uh, and he showed them something different. He showed them what it looks like to have an airplane catch its tail on a hot tension wire, get pitched over and plunged into the rapidly moving Ohio River and disappeared. Ouch.
1: Yeah. No in
2: good. front of hundreds of people. Yeah. Never to be found. Oh, really? Really? They found a seat cushion. That was it. It washed ashore on the Indiana side over near the uh, end of the uh, uh, weir that forms the uh, lock and dam and uh, the river height control. Uh, CAVU day, perfectly clear. Uh, And in making sure that he didn't hit the water, he made sure he hit the wire with the tail. Yeah. And that was it. We, we 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 pulled, I doubt we'll ever find it, to get that airplane, because by now it's got to be under 10 feet of silt.
1: Uh, oh, the one in the Ohio River, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah um, this,
2: this, this airplane, it was a Cessna, plunged into the river, disappeared, a seat cushion floated ashore uh, a little later, was identified as being from the airplane, and there you go. Yeah. Those things
1: can be hard to judge. Right. Well, this Mackinac bridge guy, I don't know. I, I, I'd be, I wouldn't put money on him being able to stay hidden. Uh, he, he's probably going to get discovered. Um, if you really have to do this, whether it's under the wires on the Ohio River or under the Mackinac Bridge, um, I understand that the new Microsoft Flight Simulator is very realistic. Do it there.
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: that or just go lie down until a feeling goes away.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, right. Put a, put a wet towel
2: on your head. and uh, uh, Have a scotch and then you won't be legal. <laughs> oh, wait.
1: Uh, you weren't be- going to be legal anyway. Yeah. That, may be, that may be what caused the problem in the first place. Hold my beer, watch this kind of thing. I don't know. Jeb, how you doing? How's the weather? Is it hot down there? Is it it's hot and
0: muggy. Yeah, um, which is kind of par for the course. Somewhere um,
1: near Sarasota, Florida. I haven't said so, that in a while. I figured I I'd sneak. Yeah, I see. Uh, um,
0: but uh, yesterday it rained on and off, uh, some showers and whatnot. Uh, today, it, uh, uh, fairly blue sky right now. Uh, a little bit of a breeze, um, and it's not that bad of a day.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice. What yeah. you been working on? What you been doing? Anything fun? Um, you know, non
0: um, non magazine related projects uh, around the house and, and what I got a little I got a lot of little balls up in the air right now uh, as far as uh, uh, extracurricular stuff is concerned. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. Uh, uh, getting ready to buckle down and, and crank out the next issue. It's going to be October's issue, man. I'm t- I just the the year is flying by. I know, which some would say is probably not a bad thing, right? Uh, but we're soon going to be in, in 2021, and, and uh, I don't know what to think about that. Yeah, I know. I but know. Uh, other than that, my my life is fairly normal. <laughs>
1: okay. Other than that. Other than that. Other, us... You know, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln. Other than that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Anyways, all right. Well. But um, there, there, was, there was one thing
0: I... I'm, we talked about this briefly. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, there was one thing... Uh, I came across this morning that I thought was a very good little example of how things can go wrong and how you handle them. Yeah. Uh, even at uh,
1: um, the, the airline, uh, the Part 121 right. level. Yeah, you just handed this to us literally yeah. when we got on the phone, and I haven't had a chance to read it. You tell me about it. Yeah, this is a, a FedEx 7
0: 7, no, 767 uh, freighter um, uh, trying to land at Los Angeles last night. Um or maybe it was the day before, but got an unsafe gear indication Okay, w- when they were uh, trying to land, and uh, left main landing gear would not go down and lock. Uh-huh. Um, they went around, went into a holding pattern, worked all the checklists. Um, then, you know, they said, well, we've done everything we can do here. Um, so we we still have an unsafe you know could be the indicator could be whatever flew a low approach to LAX um, the the article I'm looking at from the Aviation Herald says an inspection from the ground could not solidly determine whether the left light whether the left main gear was down the gear doors were open that doesn't mean anything to me and even, I don't know if the gear doors is supposed to be open or not um Then they did another flyby with someone a little bit better equipped or prepared uh, on the ground. uh, Got down as low as 300 feet, said the left main gear did not appear in position. Then they said, well, we're going to go out and we're going to orbit for a little bit longer and talk to maintenance, talk to operations and whatnot. Um, Did another hold at 5,000 feet for this time like 40 minutes. And hey, you know, there's nothing we can do about this. Um, so we're going to do a partial gear down landing. And they did so. Um, the, there was only two aboard. The crew evacuated via the emergency rope from the cockpit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the airplane will probably fly again. But the punchline is, um, you know, this, these kinds of things happen to the big boys, too. Mm-hmm. And the way they handle it is not unlike the way you're going to handle it. Um, you use the reference materials you have, um, you maybe do a fly by and get some, get some advice from the ground and then you just have to depend on your airmanship to get through
1: it. Yeah. Interesting story. It is. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, does an aircraft, so I've never been checked out or even received any training in retractable gear aircraft, but for some reason I have it in my head that one of the things you do is try and shock the gear down by pulling sudden positive G's. Is that real, real, or, or am I, is that a fantasy?
0: That's, one? that's a technique when all else fails, you might. And my be, question
1: would be, would they do that on a big aircraft like this? I don't know. It's
0: probably, yeah. probably contraindicated as they say. Yeah. Um, they have to evaluate the risk of doing that. And it's my recollection that transport category aircraft aren't stressed to the same G levels as smaller aircraft are. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, so there may or may not be a good way to do that, mm-hmm. uh, to, to exert enough force in the hope that the gear will uh will extend and lock itself into place i don't know i i sincerely do not know someone with a lot of seven six time might be better able to answer that question sure
1: sure so runway 25 right at is this this lax is, apparently is lax right yeah. okay um i wonder how long and they've got multiple runways at, at lax although losing any of them is a bad thing although maybe what time of day was this, this was the middle of the night or uh, this you know. is that's
0: not clear it, it the, there's pictures, and it does look like it was night. There's a
1: picture uh, of the… Well, all the, these METARs uh, seem to be related to that time period, right? Right. So, so, so this be, is uh, be on, on the 19th,
0: 1153 Zulu. That would be early morning West Coast time.
1: Uh, Zulu, but they're, what, five, uh, uh, eight hours behind? Eight That's what hours?
0: I'm saying. So, it'd be like 4 a.m.
2: Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah.
2: You know, fly the airplane, man. Fly the airplane. Well, the one thing that they're probably not going to try is having a guy in the back of a pickup truck (laughs) speeding along underneath, (laughs) trying to reach up and pull the wheels down. Exactly.
0: Here,
1: hold my Uh, beer.
2: I don't think that's going to happen. That has happened with some light aircraft,
1: and it has worked. Yeah, well, the, the. that guy was up in uh, up in upper peninsula of Michigan um, the other day, so uh, he wasn't available to ride in the pickup truck underneath <laughs> the... That's <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, interesting story, Jeb. Thank you for uh, calling our attention to it, if, even at the last minute. A story that isn't last minute, that actually was on the list last time, last episode, um, and we had to p- postpone, um, was this myth of the zero... Um, story is this a what's is this significant job? It's you know? not that big a deal.
0: Um, anyone who is a, perhaps of an age but had an interest in World War II era military aviation knows about the Japanese Zero and how, when the war in the Pacific got hot, as it were, um, the Zero was uh, one of Japan's um, most feared weapons, at mm-hmm. least in the U.S. at the time, and um, for for various good for good reasons, it was um it had very it had some characteristics that made it um a uh, a different kind of threat than than other militaries had been prepared for. Um, it had some drawbacks uh, as as time went on, especially. But this, this is a, a piece on history net history.net or historynet.com to be confusing um, about uh, the aircraft and about how uh, um, its techno- its te- 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 excuse me, its technological advances um, which were substantial for the time when it was introduced. Uh, development of the aircraft did not keep pace um, mm-hmm. other uh, countries developed uh, better aircraft and were able to exert dominance over the zero in, in the later years of the war but um, for what it was it was it was uh, you know a formidable opponent yeah. and, 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 you know again it's it's got little to do with GA, general aviation but it's just something that um, has always, been on my radar um uh, mm-hmm. as as someone who kind of spent grew up not too many years after world war Two.
1: yeah
2: well uh, and the uh, the line in this story uh, talking about this that is worth uh, focusing uh in, in my view is, is this sentence nobody ever built a fighter that could outmaneuver it and the fact that the Grumman developed the F eight F Bearcat as a zero beater, a task that it was just a little bit too late to fulfill, shows that that was in forty five. Shows that the zero was never fully disdained, and it could turn inside our fighters and wind up on the other on on the good guys six like nothing else out there, nothing that the Germans had, uh, nothing that we had, and our guys early on in 1942 were getting their clocks cleaned by these things if they tried to dog bite them uh, just because of the maneuverability advantage of the airplane it had a geared engine so it uh it climbed really well uh, uh, What does that mean, geared engine,
1: David? Well,
2: the engine's turning a propeller through a gearbox. Yeah. And the propeller lets the... uh, The gearbox lets the propeller run at a slower RPM while the engine itself is running at a higher RPM, developing more horsepower. So it climbed pretty damn well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and could outmaneuver just about everything that we had except the P thirty eight Lightning early in the war, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it uh, got it, it. It caused the Navy guys to have to go to work and, and develop techniques to take it on, and those were two plane techniques to take it on. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we started shooting down zeros. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, interesting story. I'm going to take a closer look. I haven't looked at it yet, Jeb, but… Uh, yeah, the well, other thing, yeah, pre- the other thing the going on
0: that David, David touched on, the uh, Zero is an outstanding dogfighter, Right. Because it could turn so so quickly and so in such a tight radius. Well, you know, one of the, the things that we eventually learned to do, and it kind of started, the tactics started with uh, the Flying Tigers in China… Was to not get into a dogfight, you know, with yeah. with zero to boom and zoom, for lack of a better description, uh, where you don't slow down and get try to get on its tail, you just buzz it at a higher speed, mm-hmm. and the 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 P forty Warhawk they were flying uh, Tomahawk, whatever you want to call it, was really good at at. Uh, um, dives. It was very good. So one of the tactics was to get on top, get above the zero, and make a diving pass at it, and you could literally leave it behind in the dust and climb away, and then come back for another pass. And yeah. Yeah, that's what I call boom and zoom.
1: Nice, nice. Yeah, doctor, it hurts <laughs> when I do this. Well, don't do that. there you go. You know, I and mean, I get, and I get so, so
0: much opportunity to do that in the debonair. <clears throat>
1: Yeah. Right. Well, right. the flip and the flip
2: side of the Zero's strengths were its enormous weaknesses. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was a very lightly built airplane. It had no armor for the pilot. It had no uh, self-sealing fuel tanks. Uh, it was basically a. Uh, molotov cocktail with wings if you could get a, a uh, tracer through the fuel tank uh, that was basically the end of the fight because the tracers would ignite the fuel and it would go up and mm-hmm. come yeah. apart usually the wing would separate just outboard of the uh, uh, fuselage uh, whatever side got hit uh and into the drink and once we figured that out uh We did pretty well against them, but it was getting to the point of having that figured out where we were taking a beating. Yeah,
1: cool. Very cool. Okay. Um, This next item I put on the list for a completely reason. um, So first of all, so here's the uh, obligatory joke is that um, video cameras in the landing gear well would have solved, or not solved, but would have been useful during that FedEx freighter problem that we talked about a minute ago. Um, but someone mounted a camera in the in the gear well, I guess, of a of a seven four or seven forty seven. That's that's uh, what this says, yeah. And uh, and so we've got some video of uh, of various stages of flight uh, from an interesting view. Someone referred to it as a stowaway view, which I think is a little. I don't know. It's uh, it's a little bit. Uh, it's cold. a rough. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, no. The reason I wanted to uh, to and it's an interesting video, and there'll be a link in the show notes if anybody wants to look at it. Um, it's. Uh, I, is, and Jeb, I, and if you don't want me to want this in here, I'll cut it out, but mm. I, I know you've been experimenting with cameras. Well, not
0: experimenting airplane. yet. I've been planning to experiment.
1: Okay, so you haven't actually shot I haven't footage.
0: gotten out and shot any video with the You, you bought
1: one or two I've GoPros. Bought one.
0: I... I bought a GoPro. I've got a couple of choices for external mounts. Uh, and as, as, as I confided to you when I, we were talking about this several weeks ago, uh, one of the things, that I've never seen my airplane do is retract its landing gear. I've yeah. seen it on, on jacks right. in the hangar.
1: But, but from, right, in but flight.
0: In flight, I've never seen the, the gear exta- retraction extension cycle. Uh, so, I'm kind of looking forward to, to doing that, and gearing, yeah. uh, gearing it up for – let me let me rephrase this for a moment uh, – putting some camera gear on the airplane to, to capture that kind of video.
1: Cool. That'd be interesting to see if yeah. you if you care to share it with us. Yeah, we'll, we'll see comes. how it
0: comes out. I'm not yeah, exactly. making any promises. <laughs> I know the feeling. Yeah, I know. I know,
1: <laughs> but, I, uh, I know the feeling.
0: Cool. Well, you know, with that yeah. in mind, I mean, what have you been up
1: to? Uh, same you know i mean like you said hunkered down for the for the pandemic uh the weather up here has been so I, I i was complaining about the hot heat and humidity um last episode but we we crossed the line i long ago and almost back to my childhood i identified a a sort of a of a of a uh, milestone that's not the right word but a, a turning point in the climate up here which is uh, mid august it it it, it Cools off very noticeably, like over the span of a week, it'll go from being hot and humid to being almost fall-like, and uh, and of course with climate change, you know everything's up for grabs, and we don't know whether this is still going to happen, but it may well have happened, in the, since we did the last episode, because uh, it's it's definitely cooled off and, and dried out a little bit, and uh, um, and so it's it's uh, very comfortable. It's getting into what is my favorite time of year in New England, which is the fall. Um, I mean, not in a, and of course, everybody talks about the leaf colors, you know, the foliage. And that's nice. But I grew up with it, so it's kind of like, yeah, okay. Um, but the weather in the fall here is beautiful. I love it a lot. And uh, and th- this may trigger me to finally do all the preparation and get all the safety stuff in order so that I can go get current again and, and go fly for the fall, because it's a beautiful time of year to go flying. Um, it's it's It just breaks my heart,
0: Jack, that that uh, it's the weather's been too hot for you to get out up there and go flying. Uh, I know, and now only when things are down into the seventies and, and, and mid eighties that you can find it in your in your vast yeah uh, uh, reserve of, of yeah. <laughs> of, um, <laughs> Um. Go ahead. I don't. I, whatever. You, you, I you, know. You, yeah. yeah right. o- only when it's cooler do you feel like going flying. I
1: guess. Only when point. it's cooler do I even feel like going out of my apartment, is what it boils down to. But, uh, uh, anyways. Again, uh, air conditioning. Air, air conditioning. Yeah. Well, so that's Jack. Yeah. <laughs> what have you been up to? Yeah, I know, huh? <laughs> uh, I, uh, so I've been so I've been enduring the weather as the weather changes. Um, uh, making still making multiple trips to lookout point. Um, to uh, collect stuff, getting the shops set up which is still taking longer than I thought still haven't gotten that motorcycle over there yet one of these days so I'm gonna go rent a U-Haul and uh, and get my motorcycle over there And, and, and then the the shop activities will will begin in earnest One thing I've been doing is kind of I think is interesting. It's not really an aviation; it's not at all an aviation thing. Um, But you know, regular regular listeners know that my day job is in the uh, uh, public gatherings industry, uh, conferences and trade shows and that kind of thing. And and I've been doing some research. I'm trying to learn a little bit about what it's going to be like to have gatherings in the in the early days post pandemic, Um, which is because as we all know, it's not going to be you know kind of like V E V J Day where suddenly the war is over and we go back to life um it's going to be a, a gradual thing um and uh um and so the hopefully when they finally get to do events and i get to go back to work it's still going to be with precautions and so i'm trying to kind of educate myself about what those precautions are it's, it's an interesting field a lot of people are thinking about it. a lot of people way more knowledgeable about, about ep- epidemiology than me uh, did i get that right i think i did um so the whole thing about, you know, when we start to return to conferences and trade shows, you know, the obvious things like there's going to be a lot of hand sanitizer stations and and marks on the ground for, for six-foot distancing still, even in the early days of the recovery, um, and probably masks still, um, but also things like um, having um, – um, heat sensor camera stations at the doorways, so that as people are passing through the turnstiles, so to speak, um, they will be on a on a uh, infrared camera, um, which is able to uh, flag people who seem to have higher temper a fever, quite frankly. All right, um, which is interesting. I've I've seen stories about that being done in other countries around the world, um, and they're talking about that being a, a, a one way to keep public gatherings or group gatherings safe and so so i'm doing all research it's going to be interesting Uh, this is is, uh live in interesting times and we sure do so uh, i'm doing a lot of that um the other thing I'm doing is uh, is uh, uh, feeling a lot of gratitude towards our listeners and particularly the ones who have been helping us out with financial donations through PayPal and Patreon. Um, if you are enjoying this podcast and you like what we're doing here, uh, please consider supporting it uh, with a financial donation. As little as a few dollars a month is a big help in in covering the expenses of doing this podcast, you can send individual donations to the UCAP Tip Jar via PayPal, uh, and we'd like to thank a couple of recent uh, Tip Jar uh, uh, supporters: uh, Michael S, uh, big thank you, and uh, John, yes, yes, uh, yes, thank yes. you for uh, for your help through the PayPal Tip Jar. And you can also uh, automatically make a be a monthly supporter uh, via the excellent and secure service Patreon, uh, and uh, we want to thank uh, a handful of our ongoing Patreon on supporters uh Gary and Dave and JD and Bruce Terry and Greg Elliot Christopher, and so many others. You guys are great. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Um, For more information on on how to provide automatic monthly support, you can check out patreon.com slash uncontrolledairspace, or you can make a PayPal donation to the email address podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com. And all this information is uh, summarized for you on our uh, link that's on our uh, UCAP homepage, uncontrolledairspace.com. Click there and, and get more about that. Thanks to everybody for your help. We really appreciate it listener uh sent uh or contacted us i'm trying to remember exactly how what was the nature of this contact i guess it was a a twitter message uh from uh, listener joel o um and Joel asked us about the subject of upgrading to a more powerful plane. He says, uh, Hi, I'm a huge fan of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast. Have you ever tackled the question of a pilot and owner looking to move up to a higher performance plane? I have a beach musketeer, 500 500 hours PIC, about half cross country. The musketeer is great, and it cruises at 120 knots. Um, It's a great time builder uh, with performance better than a Skyhawk. But he says, I'm looking to an instrument rating, and my rides needs needs an upgrade for avionics and an autopilot for more serious cross country. Um, I'd like something about 50 knots faster, um, and he has a family of four with luggage, and so he's considering upgrading his Musketeer. Uh, you guys have any thoughts? We talked about this for, an, for another listener recently, and so I don't necessarily need to completely rehash that ground. Um, but uh, um, you know, any, any thought. I, 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 an aircraft that does 120 knots um, it already seems like yeah. a pretty appreciable small airplane. Well, um, yeah, look at that. but it may not carry very many people. Yeah,
0: yeah, Musketeer is a great airplane, and, and more importantly, it's a very stable IFR platform. Um, and it's you know like all Beechcraft, it's it's built like a tank. Um, 120 knots, 700 nautical miles. Do the math. Um, uh, that's going to be a five-hour trip. We cut it and probably going to one stop for gas or or take a break or something like that. Family of four with luggage and trying to go 700 nautical miles nonstop, you need a Beach uh, Bonanza A36.
2: Or a Comanche
0: 260. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Okay. Um,
1: David, was that the Comanche that you had? no i had a 180 because you did almost exactly this you started out with a a a relatively smaller aircraft relatively less performance and upgraded um after a while to a to the comanche which had better perform more performance oh Uh, not only had
2: better performance it had more room and had a real luggage compartment with a door on the outside uh yeah the so our first airplane was a uh, a uh, Cherokee 140 Delta uh, with 100 and, uh, 160 horse engine, uh, and it cruised along at a smoking 110 115 knots. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yep. Which made the Lakeland trip about 11 hours of flying, uh, and it was on the second sun and fun trip when uh, when my bride asked how much more expensive it would be to fly something fast enough to get us to Lakeland so we could set up camp while it's still daylight, quote-unquote. Uh, we started shopping there, wound up uh, settling on, not settling on, but deciding on a, a, a Comanche and then we narrowed it down further from there to the uh, 180 it being the best bang for the buck that we could get mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. the 250 uh which was the most plentiful at the time it was 20% faster but it took 40% more fuel to do okay. that
1: did you uh, when you were did you make consider other makes and models back at that time
2: oh yeah Oh, yeah, we looked at uh, Cessna Cardinals, uh, looked at a couple of Bonanzas, uh, a couple of nice ones. Uh, if the owners had been a little less proud of them, uh, we we might have wound up flying one of those, and one of those was a uh, V-tail, uh, and I already knew about the little wigwag that the short-body v- V-tails uh, are prone to. Uh, but the uh the, the bottom line for us was what what can accommodate the mission that we're going to be flying right. what uh, what airplane will yeah. fulfill yeah. this yeah. and do it economically and comfortably and at a reasonable speed so we went from 110 to 115 knot airplane to about 145 to uh, 150 okay. knot yeah. airplane
1: now jeb but, you think it, go ahead i'm sorry david
2: uh, but in the, in the shopping We uh, found a flight instructor that would uh, fly with us and teach us about what we were getting into because we were going from a fixed gear, simple airplane to a complex. It wasn't considered high performance because it wasn't over 200 horse, but I already had a high performance sign off and I had a retractable sign off complex enough uh then it was just a matter of spending 10 or 12 hours with the flight instructor getting intimately familiar with all the systems in the airplane in particular how to get the wheels down if the motor failed
1: yeah right uh that's pretty interesting actually i'd never you're you're not only shopping for um, a more high performance airplane but you may well be shopping for a, a better cfi as well um it's something to consider. I hadn't never hadn't thought about it. Jeb. So you obviously think that a Bonanza of some sort is a good candidate. Why? Um, a
0: number of reasons. One, it would I think achieve is his basic numbers here, uh, which is uh, fifty knots more than one hundred twenty knots, which is roughly one hundred seventy knots, and a Bonanza will cruise at roughly one hundred seventy knots. Uh, Seven hundred nautical miles uh, is even for a um a um, bonanza with uh standard uh fuel capacity seventy four gallons that's not a problem uh you and you'll have adequate reserves uh presuming there's not just some uh, uh, um hellacious t- uh, headwind mm-hmm. um it'll seats it'll seat four easily uh the 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 two in the back will have uh You know, depending on the layout, but generally, um, you're going to look be looking at a club seating configuration. You'll have a lot more room. Uh, You have uh, a wide door uh, to enter and and uh, and exit, Um, and you still have you know luggage luggage capacity to boot Mm -hmm. um now let me hasten to add two things uh one you know there are other airplanes that will will do this also the the piper saratoga line comes to mind uh cessna's uh, centurion uh 210 uh, comes to mind uh will will achieve the same mission the saratoga is going to be a tad slower than the other two uh but that may or may not be a, a bad thing depending on on um Acquisition costs, things like that. Uh, It it takes about the same amount of fuel to move... On the same distance, regardless of whether you're flying it fast or slow, uh, in, in my book, in my experience. The other thing I wanted to mention is, yeah, the, the, uh, um, uh, Joel um, talks about uh, the Dr. Killer nickname that I've, I've given the V-tail. That's all in jest. Uh, uh, the, the full fr- The full hit is uh, fork tail Dr. Killing Wigglebird. Um, <laughs> but that's that's more of a, of a cut at the V-tail owners and pilots out there. There, uh, in, in favor of the standard quote-unquote standard tail bonanzas like the 33 and the 36
1: Is the V-tail bonanza inherently more of a handful to fly or no. is it just a bad reputation? No, it's, it's
0: just got a bad rep um, uh, It was when it was first introduced in the late 40s uh, It became very popular with a certain uh, type of professional a doctor as was the classic example, and um, perhaps the doctors were not as well trained or, or as they could have been. Um, there were some some accidents. Some, the the uh, the day the music died involved a V tail bonanza. Uh, had nothing whatsoever to do. I didn't know that. That's yes. interesting. Okay. Yes, uh, had nothing whatsoever to do with the V tail. That right. Accident.
1: That was a real bad pilot choice.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, there have been. Uh, um ADs associated with the V-tails over the years depending on the model involved there have been ADs associated with the tails of 33s and 36s over the years depending mm-hmm. on the model involved um there's nothing intrinsically unsafe about the V-tail bonanza uh or for that matter any of the other airplanes that I've mentioned
1: yeah interesting okay good but
0: one one final comment yeah. um and that's um, get as much horsepower as you can afford if you're buying an airplane. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with a with a Skyhawk, for example. 100, they came from the factory originally with 145 horsepower engines. Um, <coughs> the uh, the most popular Skyhawk today has a 180 horsepower engine. Um, there are other versions with uh, 195 horsepower, and then uh, and and retractables with 180 horsepower also. Um, all in the same basic airframe. Um, there are uh, lower-powered Bonanzas uh, than mine, for example. There are higher-powered Bonanzas than mine. Um, and, yeah, I'd love to have the, the bigger engine. The The, the, the price delta is a little bit uh, uh, off from from my tastes. Uh, but I think the other thing here, too, is Joel is asking the right question. Rather than... Uh, sink the money in downtime and downtime and, and so much else uh, into upgrading his musketeer with some avionics for cross-country work, autopilot, things like that. Um, he's making a, a good choice, which is to go ahead and find another different airplane that would have those avionics already installed so he, someone has already paid for the for the acquisition and installation of the of the of the, um, uh, the boxes um, someone's already gone through breaking them in and making sure they all work correctly and, and all these kinds of things and someone's already put up with the downtime. Um, you find a well sorted airplane that that has the equipment you want in it and has the horsepower you want and you know might be a sad day when you walk away from the musketeer but you'll get a better uh, an airplane better suited to your mission
1: yeah cool okay We've got a uh, this is a follow up on a follow up actually. We're gonna, nice. I don't know how many how many steps we're going to go down into the uh, stack here, but when all is said and done. But uh, so this is a follow up on a follow up. A couple episodes ago, we talked about uh, Rheinbeck uh, Aerodrome, and then we heard from listener Stefan B, um, who talked about actually having visited there recently. And in that uh, account, he made reference to the se- uh, viewing and the second oldest flying airplane, which is a resident there at uh, at Rhinebeck, um, and we were uncertain what that was i think we actually looked it up but but um, he then got back to us again and confirmed that uh, that uh, it the second oldest flying airplane is in fact a bler Blairio, is that how you say it bler yes sir Blairio Eleven, I believe, is the designation here. Yep. Um, the one they have at Rhinebeck is serial number fifty-six. You know, when it made reference to the second oldest flying airplane, um, I missed an opportunity to question, well, what's the first oldest flying airplane? And it turns out that it is also a Blériot Eleven. Um, there are two airworthy Blériot Elevens, um, and uh, um, the, this uh, posting that we got from uh, from Stefan has a link to the Wikipedia page, which talks about it. Um and uh, so uh, the world are second,
0: both I, in the U.S.
1: I, I I want to say no, but hang on. It's in the story here. Where'd it go here? Uh, the Wikipedia page talks about Blurry 11. Uh, two of them. Where is it here? Surviving aircraft uh, serial number 14 is in Bedfordshire, England. It's part of the Shuttleworth collection at Old Wardenton. Oh, Bled- yeah. Bedfordshire, which I believe is in, in UK. Yeah, England. Um, so, uh, yeah, serial number 14 and serial number 56, the number one and number two uh, oldest flying aircraft right now. Uh, so thank you, Stefan, for getting back to us again. Um, I had forgotten when we heard from Stefan last time, um, I've now been reminded that Stefan, you'll remember, was the, uh, guy who came from upstate New York in, uh, um, to what, uh, what now is a long time ago, but our most recent UCAP meetup brunch. Um, and, uh, we talked about some of the things he was, he was doing involved with back then. So that's Stefan. Um, anyways, uh, I'm, I'm
0: just reading the specs. On the Plurio yeah. 11? Yeah. Maximum speed, 47 miles per hour.
1: Wicked fast. Wicked fast. Serve,
0: like, service ceiling, 3,300 feet.
1: That back in those days, they thought <laughs> they thought that it actually might not be good for your health to travel at that velocity. Um it was mostly a train problem, not an airplane problem. But, uh, yeah, um, they thought people might not be able to breathe if they were moving at that velocity. Um, so Yeah, I don't have a constructive comment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There was a story recently about uh, – this is not on list as well. Now, see, I'm going to get us. – You're I'm getting going. off track, I am. Chad? I am. And I am. And I was really – up until a moment ago, I was trying very consciously to get things moving along here so we could finish. So there's a story flo- – there's a video floating around about a guy who was flying his drone in an elevator, okay? And he wanted to know whether or not if he flew the drone – if he hovered the drone in the elevator and then the elevator went up and down, would the drone go up and down with the elevator? Or would, what would happen? All right, and so he and and my and this is like totally out of the conveyor belt thing. It just occurred to me. Okay, and and my guess was that because the elevator was filled with a mass of air, which was then being lifted by the elevator car, that the that the, the the drone would would stay stationary within the elevator car as the elevator went up and down. <clears throat> who who did that is that david or jeb does jeb. jeb you don't think that's going to happen david what would you have guessed it's going to happen oh that it would move around and in fact it, he demonstrated i mean i give the guy a lot of credit all right because he actually did this he went to an automobile parking structure um apparently in the middle of the night when there was nobody around um and he uh went into the elevator set up his cameras hovered his air hovered his drone all right and then push the button, all right, to go. And he did it both up and down, and he did a couple of different, you know, things. And basically, every time the elevator moved, the uh, the uh, uh, the drone basically tried to stay in the same place relative to real space, and so it bumped into the floor or the ceiling or whatnot. And which is just doesn't. I, I, I obviously that's what happens, but I wouldn't have. I still have a problem with the fact that the drone is hovering in a mass of air that. You know, and, and it is, but apparently the inertia of of space of space time space-time continuum is a big factor no. here too.
2: No, 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 well, it's, it's not. It's not reading its position
1: based yeah. on visual cues with the walls of the elevator. Uh, oh, you're yeah, saying I mean, it's moving not because the oh, it's moving because the stabilization is making it move. N- yeah. Well,
0: well the, what, what's okay? I don't know much about drones, and I don't know anything about this gentleman's uh, demonstration. But typically, at least as I understand it, a drone is going to use GPS for its position finding.
1: You're, no, I hadn't even thought of that. You're okay. actually right. It's That's not going
0: it to use LIDAR or microwaves or laser measurements or anything like that to determine its height above a surface.
1: And so it, it recognized that it was moving and tried to stand. It was, oh, okay, see, it, all right, it, then now it, I need to see this test done again. Yeah. Now we need to turn off that stabilization. It,
0: it, it recognized, yeah, that's the thing. You know, if you turn off the stabilization and say, all right, stay right where you are without any reference to any outside nav sources or, or uh, anything like that, it's probably going to go up and down just fine staying in the middle of the elevator.
1: Yeah. Okay. okay. All but right. Once
0: once you reference something like GPS or some other um, station keeping uh, process that the yeah. that the drone might have. It's going to want to stay at 55 feet above ground or no. or, or a thousand feet MSL, and the elevator is going to go up and down, and the the drone's going to try to compensate.
1: I'm sold. I I absolutely. I never thought of that, but I absolutely think that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, digression aside, let's. I gotta, we got to move on here. We are definitely using up our allotted time. David, how's the weather in, in uh, so uh, air California. capital of the world? Which and
2: before we leave this, there are drones that will do what you, yes. you're you talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, there are drone, Just like there are drones that you can designate follow a certain human or a dog or something. Yeah. And it t- will follow them wherever they go. Right. So you, you got both sides of the coin here available, but you can only use one at a time.
1: No, I, I get it now. I, I, I absolutely see the point. It never occurred to me, but I, that makes total sense. Um, and going, here? Yeah. Uh, what's going on? Uh, we're getting a taste of uh
2: of early fall yeah uh, i mean it, today is not even going to hit 90 according to the pro <laughs> wait
1: a minute okay that's that's not hitting 90 is early fall
2: yeah yeah and it's going down into the uh, low 60s overnight and uh i really never did like either one of you (laughs) it's uh uh the most pleasant it's been for weeks uh this past few days uh because we had several weeks of uh uh, high 90s to low 100s with uh humidity above 50 percent uh hot south winds uh and clear skies so the sun heated up everything the wind didn't cool it off it's been lovely and pleasant and nice to get out and move about as we're about to be able to freely once again starting on saturday
1: yeah i know you're uh, okay take it easy now be careful um what you been working on do anything fun uh working on next
2: month's everything uh really i just got a uh a pair of assignments while we were talking by email from my uh my good friend and editor over in london matt harris who's getting ready to uh take off for uh uh some holiday time as they do in europe this time of year so uh uh but yeah we we're, we're, we're staying busy. Uh I've, I've got uh two projects to finish between now and uh one to finish between now and tomorrow and another one to finish by the following Friday. Uh talking about the fastest business jets in the world mm-hmm. and uh, what they look like and, and how they how you pay for them. Uh and just trying to uh put a dent in uh, past need for housekeeping chores uh, in in the quiet time yard work I pawned that off on a nice young couple who uh, come by every couple of weeks and they came by on monday took a look at the yard and called me up and said we're at your house we're not going to cut the yard this time there's nothing to cut because it hadn't grown in the two weeks since uh yeah yeah we're definitely getting
1: uh, past that time of year
2: yeah well and it was uh, a combination of no rain and excessive heat and the yard just kind of kind of stopped getting bigger sounds good uh I'm I'm, sitting out on the front porch this morning, sipping a cup of coffee and watching uh, one of the neighborhood foxes go screaming from a house south of me uh, across the street through the uh, meadow next to my house and into the park next to my house. And it got me wondering, I wonder what woke him up. Yeah. Something startled him because he was running like a, he was running like a bat out of hell, like a fox getting out of the hen house.
0: He, He was late for his podcast.
2: Maybe that was was
1: it. That's what it was. Maybe it was a groundhog. Um, It's a Fox Force Five. We're okay. (laughs) Oh, let that be. Oh, that's deep. Let that be the punchline. Uh, David, what's the uh, Girls in Aviation Day?
2: Uh, Girls in Aviation Day is a. uh, Now you got to make me look it up. Uh, Where did I put that link? Oh, there it is. I can answer this appropriately here as soon as this page loads. Okay. Girls in Aviation Day, uh, which is going to
1: be virtual this year. Uh, online. Uh, and, it's going to yep. be actual, but online. I'm sorry. That's my my thing. Go but ahead. I'm it, sorry, David. Go ahead. It, yeah. It's, it's, w- it's a day set
2: aside and organized by Women in Aviation International uh, to promote aviation careers and STEM studies science technology engineering and math uh to young women who uh might find it's a desirable career somewhere in all the jobs that are available here uh september 26th is coming up next month uh and if you've got a uh if you've got a young lady in the household or know of one that would uh uh, find this interesting and beneficial. Uh, you can sign them up online. It's free. Uh, there's, uh, activities that'll be going on all day and, uh, some mementos to go with it. And, uh, they'll have career videos, uh, some hands on activities that the young ladies can download, uh, they can uh, get access to the magazine aviation for girls uh and read some of the things there uh, learn about aviation book authors uh meet some positive role models apply for women in aviation international scholarships and make some uh, new friends via social media yeah uh, Sounds it's a like big a, it's a big deal it's been going on for years now and uh uh highly recommended uh for the uh would be young lady av- aviator or mechanic in your household.
1: Yeah. And it, it sounds like a terrific thing. And I, I just to be clear, you're being very respectful by referring to these young ladies. We're literally talking about girls here. This is for for girls age eight to seventeen, um, and uh, a lot of great activities and, and programs going on here. That's great. Yeah, and you can you can register now. Uh, Wai org
2: slash g-i-a-d that's golf india alpha delta uh just go to women in and there'll be a link there that leads you to girls in aviation day uh and uh help them get started down the path to a great career yeah
1: all right. Well, as we've definitely overrun our uh, our uh, allotted time here, um, the uh, the uh, drone in the elevator thing was a, was an item too far, and but it was fun and you educated me. That was good, too. Uh, so anyways, uh, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It's always a blast to get together with you and and, and talk about airplanes. Uh, Jed Burnside, Jeb is a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine and also as a regular contributor to other aviation public- publications online you can find jeb's work at aviation safety magazine.com and his magazine is on twitter as av safety mag you can also find jeb's work at aea.net avweb.com and on twitter he's burnside j and dave higdon thanks uh, dave is an aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the u.s editor for london's av buyer magazine you can find his work online at avbuyer.com and aea.net on twitter he's real higdon and I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. You can find me online in most of the place most most of the usual places with the all one-word username Jack Hodgson. For example, twitter.com Jack Hodgson, YouTube Jack Hodgson, Patreon, Jack Hodgson. You can find my ebooks on Amazon by searching for around the field in the books section. And you can sign up for my email newsletter at Jackhodgson.com. David, was there something you were going to tell us?
2: Uh you want to achieve an old age where you get to actually enjoy downtime social security going flying when you want going flying now help because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan bye-bye and that's enough talking let's go flying
0: and remember in life you're either a passenger or a pilot it's your choice